At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Olympic here at the World Messenger, and I'm inviting you for another epic episode of Legacy Leader Show. You guys are for a treat. I have someone very special in the studio that is joining me here and wants to share some amazing journey. Not only how he became Wall Street Journal bestselling author, but how he became on Inc. 5000 company that is rated and has phenomenal position of 273. How he is changing industry, specifically supply chain and logistics. How he is impacting positively government and not just in the United States, but across the, the world with his tremendous efforts through KUOG Inc. And how he is right now seeing where the future is headed and wanted to give us some really great piece of advice. Without further ado, let me introduce you to Paul Gunn Jr. Paul, welcome. Thank you, Isabella, for having me. That means a lot. Oh, absolutely, Paul. I love how you come across in your writing. And obviously, I can see, excuse me, I can see why you are being being uh, so successful with your book and why you have best seller. Do you mind tell us a little bit about how did you start writing and how did you get where you are today? Tell us a little bit about your humble beginnings. Well, that, that means a lot. Uh, it, you know, we, we started with the company. My dad was a former DCAA auditor and he all, we always watched him uh, run his company but the biggest thing he always spoke about he wanted to be a hands-on dad so he could have made a lot more money than what he did but he wanted to be in a position at that time that he felt raising both my brother and I and being a hands-on husband was more important he didn't really extreme wealth he considered us what his true wealth was so he won, ran the business to be able to be around for us and place those important things in us. And that's where I first saw the spark of what it was like to run a company. So around 10 or 11, he let me come in the office, help with his accounting and always was focusing on those little efforts. And I would see how he helped other people grow other companies. And But they most, when I would watch, would always talk about his character, how he interacted, why money really wasn't important to him. It was for the sake of raising us and being a provider, but that's what struck me the most, seeing how people in the business world talked about him and his character, then, now, and all during that process. So when the towers first went down, my brother went in the Marines, and I initially tried to go, but was denied for, for reasons. 
when he came back, my dad said, hey, how you and your brother started thinking about a company? I hadn't seen my brother in four years. So it's like, we jumped at that. So we started a previous company just basically on my mom's vanity set in a, in a laptop. And we got that company up and running. And then he parted ways. So I started this one from that passion of just enjoying entrepreneurship, but also helping others. But to, to answer your question, the genesis of that book, when the pandemic hit, I didn't know if it was going to take me out. So I initially wrote it for our son because I didn't, if I wasn't going to be around to have the time to instill what my dad did, I wanted to write it in almost a memoir. And it wasn't until I wrote that article on entrepreneur that empathy wins and selling doesn't that I get a lot of people back channel saying, hey, there's something here, do you mind telling more on that? So then I more framed it into a book of, this is how I had my and watching other people. It take, I wanted others to see what my background was and why it was important. Mm, such a beautiful journey. And I love how you carried and how your father instilled the same values for you and your family and how you prioritize raising your children and being available husband and father, as well as obviously um, friend and colleague, and then also how you run and do the business and as a result, how successful you are. So I'm curious, obviously, um, do you mind telling us a little bit about, you know, your book became Wall Street Journal's best bestseller. Um, how was that moment when you not only put your heart and soul into it to be so intimate and share, um, but how the others res resonated with that? What was some pivotal moment when you discover how it's being received and also how others um, found it to be extremely valuable? It was meaningful to me to eventually make that list in terms of you know, when you're in school, you, you kind of carry the things that teachers make tell you at a young end. Yes, you can let it go. Yes, you get over it. But to one, see that writing was well received or it wasn't a complete, like we just don't like writing. So to, to see that in here, hey, well, maybe what was told to me in school isn't actually really true. So it kind of internally validated me in the sense that well, maybe I do. I am able to write okay. And what was said and that I buried from teachers saying you didn't know how to write or you weren't really good at it. It, it, it just was, it was a moment for me to inhale or exhale saying, I, I think I'm on now. And, it, and for it to touch other people, it really meant, it's, especially some of the people that I held close to that would say, oh, we're going to tell you if we don't like your books. So they were some of the first people I went to. And when they kind of gave it, yeah, Paul, this is okay. I felt, it made me feel good. And, I mean, it felt good to do it. And I'm hoping that it would touch somebody to see, hey, look, they can change or they can use that method. It's not the first time people do it all the time. But this, that's some young person, that's primarily where that came from, they can see, they can root in that and still have success. That's beautiful. And from very, again, personal reasons and then protecting your knowledge and having this beautiful message captured 
not only your son and your children in general will benefit, but your family and friends and new friends that you are yet to meet because as a result of uh, what they found to be also very important and great reminder how family should be the number one priority, doesn't it? But it seems like you also did some amazing work and continue to do and carrying on and expanding beyond your immediate family, seeing your colleagues and co-workers as your um, bigger family in essence and how you conduct and do business. The fact that you play in defense space and the defense industry. And um, I'm curious to, to see if you don't mind for our listeners that are watching and listening to share some of the golden nuggets. Um, how did you become so um, astute in business, specifically in such a difficult industry that is very slowly changing and yet to make it such amazing footprint? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I'll get back to my father. There was a pivotal point when he started. So when he started, he he's a teacher by trade. Maybe he's saying he's old school, but all he said was, if you want to do government contracting, there it is. Now go figure it out. But in and what he was essentially doing was testing us because he knew there's levels to it. Yes, there's the standard stuff, but then there's the indirect unwritten rules kind of that go with it. So he wanted to show us, look, Paul, you're going to have to dig. You're going to have to read. You're going to have to know the quick pivotal points that on information alone, can be pivotal in changing. So when he saw that he gave it, and then I would come to him for questions with that, what does this mean, what is that? Then he said, okay, now you're ready for me to tell you because you've developed your own process, you've developed your own thoughts. Now I can tell you his experience. So I more used him kind of as an advisor, but going into how I developed that, it's competitive. First thing you learn real quick, it is extremely competitive. It's difficult to uh, see an incumbent. So you have to not plan for in that moment. You have to take a long range approach. Normally when we started, we got a 12 to 18 month runway, we got attacked. So I essentially had to learn who your competitors were, learn what they weren't doing well, where they weren't positioning and how that was going. And the biggest thing that I learned in the process there was a lot of ego in a lot of things that went on. So I realized quickly, hey, if I can show my character, maybe I can gain insight in that relationship and not just show it's just to get the contract. I was really positioning to understand them. And when you learn those contracting officers, those contracting teams, the end users more importantly, who need the stuff, when they sign on stuff, their name's on it. So I positioned it from how am I going to help them get to where they want to be at the helping mm. all warfighters and the people who need stuff. And that anchored in not only my words and actions, it, it, it solidified a path to go through. Mm, that is so powerful. I love what you said about entering in a business, how essential is to understand the lay of the land, who your competitors are. And I love what you said, understanding what they're doing better or worse or where the opportunities is and how you can differentiate yourself. That is huge. 
but then also helping others to achieve their goals. Uh, and then of course, then you achieve yours. That's how you build the loyalty. That's how you build amazing legacy, isn't it? Yes. And then, to be frank, there was times in there, I, I'll admit, you know, they don't always want to say <laughs> you can run into race or whatever it goes in. All right? there, there's an unwritten rule. There's just some things you just don't do. There's some things that is talk about. So to give an example, I've been in rooms and we would show up to conferences and that's when I quickly learned. All right, this was before I was really using LinkedIn to understand. I had a LinkedIn profile at that time, but I can admit, I didn't know what LinkedIn was at that time. I really thought it was what it was, a resume. So I didn't use it. So what we would show up to events and the people we needed to meet with would say, oh, did your company send you? Now we owned it at that time. And when we realized, okay, this we're dealing with. I said, yeah, we, you know, yeah, you could say that they sent us, but then there'd be times we run into people that would say, oh, that's interesting. You guys are young and you're doing it. Let me help you. But many times it was the former. So what we did, I realized then, okay, this person's ego, they're going to, they're going to talk. So sometimes we'd be right there in front of them and they'd be telling us we're going after this contract. They're going after this. Here's our pain points. And to my surprise, I was saying, this is almost in disbelief. Somebody feels that we're non-threatening to just basically share in front of us what they're doing. So I wouldn't say it's luck, but I would say the assumptions made by other people hurt them in the long run because I've been told to our face at that time, you're young, you're nobody to worry about. We don't even go after the contracts. We don't go after these set of contracts because they're not lucrative. And when I started adding all the intel up, I realized that was kind of the path of where everything was heading, kind of where it is and where we are now. So we were kind of in line towards where the pivot was going. Mm, that is so powerful. And I love that too, because you spot on a lot of times, as they say, don't judge a book by its cover, right? Um, how yeah. important it is to uh, speak with people in a way that you don't undermine their intelligence, but also undermine what they're capable of. And every time we play that quote unquote bigger game and know it all and being arrogant and being ignorant, you're right, does always bite us back and affect us in such a profound ways. And sometimes, you know, people don't catch on when it's too late, years and years later, when they damage so many reputation and relationships and, and um, as a result, don't succeed or thrive as they're capable to do. And they miss the opportunity. So do you mind sharing with the audience? I'm curious. Everybody's curious. I am very curious. How did you get, first of all, uh, on Inc. 5000, and also, how did you get the rating that you have um, and, and be able to establish and position your company that you don't have for quite a long time, right? You just guys uh, uh, created this company not long ago and able to just have this amazing trajectory and success. Yeah, that's it. We are, I'm eternally grateful that we've been positioned and even more grateful from the carnage that happened in 2020 and just knowing hey, it could have been us as well in there. So it's it just even more validity to being in there. So going in there and positioning 
getting on that list was difficult. It's not easy to get on there. It's uh, <laughs> you have to hit revenue in a base year, and then you have to really drive growth. So th there's metrics into what goes on in terms of digging down deeper into your customer and reaching a vast. I don't know how far I could tell how they come up with their methodology. That's the biggest thing I knew from going through the first time. As soon as you hit your baseline revenue, well, I, I think it's like six figures or something, you got to get on a high push to drive revenue at a substantial rate. And that was kind of my focus. How can I go wide with revenue versus going deep down? So I tried to do both simultaneously, but the biggest was to go wide and get as many vendors. And then once I got a wide spread of the seed, it was almost, how do I water them as fast as I can grow or, or jack up in so many ways to growth container in terms of water, sunlight, whatever I could do to figure out how they could get what they need. But I also feel part of that benefited from all the stuff that was going on around the world with and the need for that military equipment. And so you were, you, as they say, perfect timing, like perfect storm, right? When you establish your company and end of 2016, you already start positioning. And then what happened is obviously dealing with uh, recruitment and DOD contracts and then also public and private sector. And all of a sudden we're running and closing on things that are happening uh, across the globe, not anymore just in the United States. I love that you have a, such a huge exposure to Asia, Europe, Middle East, and obviously Americas. But what's really interesting is, um, and thank you again for sharing that, that a lot of times if we don't measure, right, if we don't even know um, how our success could be measured or should be measured, and we don't know what the targets are, how can we reach those targets? Yeah, you, you said something interesting there. So this company had... I used to think when people say write things down, it was just like smoke and mirrors. It really wasn't legit. When the first company did, I went down and I authentically, as best I could, made one year, three year, five year, 10 years ago. And when I went back and looked at it, when we hit the ink the first time the last company, we actually hit our 10 year goal and our five year goal. But the numbers we came up with are our were legitimate from it. I, I did do my research and took a real good estimated guess to say, I want to hit this. And that going through, part of my failure is the first time was that first company in so many ways, as best I can say, I walked with, it wasn't the best deal that I walked from. And in doing that, there was a large attack on me, my name and everything else to basically bear me to not be able to get in that line of work. So being a young father and husband at that time i knew part of that was driven from the fact i knew people were out trying to make sure i could never do this work again so i pushed and i was just going out of not desperation but my back up against the wall so i think that aided and what drove me so far to act and measure those it's like look i gotta hit these numbers and i gotta hit them in this amount of time or else I'm going to be dead in the water, so to speak, 
and have to go into a no, another industry. So I think it was the failure from the first company that sparked the growth from lessons learned where I could go and how I could leverage that measuring what you just said. That's amazing. And I love that too, because every lessons that we have, we can either learn, learn from it and do it better next time. And if we don't learn it, most likely we're going to repeat it, right? Yeah. And it's interesting and what's, what I learned in there. So this is how you brought something up about how we empower women and how we do it. What I learned in that first one, so there was a lot of contacts we had. We leveraged a lot of women contacts. That's where I got all information, where I would say, hey, if I didn't know about a connector, I was running into women that had 20 years diff in the industry. They knew the parts, they knew where to go. And I would tell them, look, I'm not an expertise. You're able to get on this call with us. Do you want to share and explain to people way above me? And I had no shame in letting the people know, look, that's my limitation. Here's where the expert lies. So what, what I would try to do is bring someone in so that they could see if they're working in this role, maybe they have a different way if they want to go out and start on their own. Now, this time around, what I learned was now I don't so much as set them up inside our company as much as trying to say, how do I, we help you build what you want to build as well? So they have the opportunity to leverage what we're doing as well. So as we build up, we help build them up. So it's not always something that's seen in public as much as it is behind the scenes. Sure. And, and, and that's, that's beautiful too, because not everything you, as you said, has to be or needs to be. And a lot of, of these things um, happen based on relationships, based yeah. on trust. You border knows, you and I know how important trust is and how important it is to have each other's back, but also know what to say or not to say because of delicate, delicate situations, because we're dealing with yeah. such a, not only large contracts, but very specific line of work that has to do with so much safety and, and, and public safety and many moving parts behind the scene that it's that takes a very different types of person, but also takes a person to recognize limitations of what you don't know, like you just mentioned, and how you leverage smart, powerful women, and you were not intimidated by that, and you find them as your allies, and as a result, what happened, right? You exponentially grew, and 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 you reach your goals much quicker, much more efficient way, and much much more uh, rewarding way. Exactly. And they benefit. It's just a collective one. I'm quick to say, I don't know something. Please help. Because like you say, in some situations, you don't have a month to figure out how do you help a woman, man, or whatever, because somebody needs something in a week. So to figure that out, why not just tell them, look, I don't know. Can you come in here and help you? Uh, this is going to help you. It's going to help everybody involved. Everybody wins if you just go and share your expertise and how to get it done because waiting 30 days, you're talking about people's lives on the line at that point. Absolutely. And what I've really wanted to point to everybody watching and listening, the great traits of leader are to say, I don't know, but let me bring this person or that person in conversation because they know more or they know exactly answer to your questions. That's their expertise. 
because a lot of times so many people play experts and know it all and that kills deals and business and reputation faster than anything else I see. What are your thoughts on that? I, I, I believe, so I've personally been involved. So when you seek to build the relationships and you build that trust, people do trust. So what happens is, that's I feel that book, Extreme Ownership, it left a mark on me. I read it in 2020, right when the pandemic happened, where you have to basically own it. And I... I feel that book talks a lot on on showing empathy, how you got these Navy SEALs, they come in and they're the ones who come in a corporation and turn it around because they say the hard and difficult truths, but they do it in compassion. So it's not a weakness to do it. What happens is if you take that extreme ownership approach, you build that trust. And now you go to someone and you're trying to know, be the know-it-all. It, you break that, you essentially break that trust. But I've been part of it where I've gone on and someone has said to me, oh no, it's, I can handle it, I can handle it. But then later find out they didn't. But what that does, it comes essentially back on me where I'm not going to blame them, but I'm going to go have to take the brunt to the people that said, Paul, what happened here? And I'm saying, well, I, I was overseeing this. So then after I take the heat, I got to go back and say, you know, next time, can you just let me know your limitations? Because yes, it, it yes, I know you wanted to make an impact, but at the end turn, it breaks the trust or it puts me in a position to have to speak one or two times where I then put myself and all that we're doing at a at a disadvantage because you didn't let me know the limitations. Mm. That is so powerful. And thank you for sharing that. And with that in mind, obviously, you are contributing to Entrepreneur Magazine as well as Forbes. Um, both of us, I guess, are focusing on spreading the wealth and knowledge to others and experiences so that they have a less trial and error. And uh, that comes across so powerfully in your writing. So um, when I look at what you do, uh, even though you're so young, you already are living your legacy and you lead in with your legacy, which is so powerful. But obviously, as a result, you're already leaving footprint and amazing impact and your legacy. So I'm curious, what's in the bucket list left and uh, what would you like to be known for, for the world that you already so much impacting and in future generations to come? So there's a big part of me that <laughs> some would say we're a light in a dark place, but still to know, as I go along, social causes mean a lot to me. Now, I learned through the process I first started getting involved with some of them in a minor way when the pandemic. So it's it's a learning curve because you have to learn. I'll be frank, many people know there's fraud, there's all of that. So I had to learn what does it mean? How does it work? So that's something I'm trying to accomplish over the next uh, 10 years, I guess. I would say, how do I validate myself? Obviously, you're mentioning about um, a tra amazing trajectory of the things and footprint that you're doing currently. I'm curious, how do you see um, everything you're doing right now, carving and creating consciously, intentionally, the legacy you desire for yourself? So uh, that's a good question. I would like to 
I'd like to be positioned to be able to use resources and be way more invested in social causes because if you look at it, it seems like it's becoming interwoven into companies, into what matters to you because collectively, you know, this world could be in disarray if people don't come together and find. So not all are going to do it. It'd be naive to think that, you know, everyone is going to have a kumbaya moment, but it's not going to happen. But the few that do go and make impact in localities and, and kind of build those soldiers or warriors who are going to do things to help further along, that's kind of where I'd like to be. It's in helping others and the legacy, especially when I look at our kids and our son to see, hey, what type of world are we going to leave? What's important? to it because yes it's you can have things but what's the purpose of them if you're not going to then further along for it there comes a point when so much is attained that yeah. other people can benefit from it and th that's what i want when i close my eyes i want to be known for that the ball left some impact on other people who had no hope that could see there's a path to reach and attain if you stay true to that. But there's going to be difficult roads. You're going to be tested. It tested on all fronts and internally and externally to make you want to kind of doubt yourself. But I look at people who are refugees who come to this country and become successful and nothing's handed out to them and yet to turn around and become impactful both socially and economically versus those who have sometimes been given the handout. So it's more to leave with someone, hey, you're capable of so much. Mm. That is beautiful because you also help and support a lot of different charities. And for everybody, again, watching and listening, uh, Paul is not only leading with and living his legacy, but he's definitely leaving already amazing, tr tremendous footprint where he's blessing so many NGOs and opportunities to collaborate, not only uh, nationally, but also internationally. And that's the beauty. When you feel like you're blessed, you are becoming a blessing for others. When you also lead with kindness, that opens the doors of things you never imagined that it's possible, Paul, right? Yeah. And as a result, um, you are getting better quality clients, better quality relationships, but also better quality uh, people around you, the corral, and wanted to cheer you on and see you succeed and continue succeeding. So with that in mind, what would be in the closing one piece of advice for anybody that is lost, that is struggling, that are unsure about themselves or how to go about things, right? What would you suggest that one thing for them to do differently in order to get them in the right trajectory for success? That's, that's a good question. Maybe, maybe I can tell in the sense of what I did. And maybe that may help because it's different for everyone. But for me, I was in a dark place twice, but once before we started the last company. And then once what happened when I built everything up for the last one and we did everything where I felt was on the right path and then to have it taken or felt like it was taken, it was very difficult. And I just internally, I dealt with the emotion. I just sat for a minute. I believe in the almighty and I just, I dealt 
own issues. I, I centered and I, I said, okay, how long am I going to deal with this? So I did deal with my emotion for a minute and then said, all right, what am I going to do? Who can I start to build those relationships? So, so then I started to very be very selective of people who I felt were genuinely reaching out because I had to be mindful of those people. There were a few that were like, Paul, were checking on you. And so when I really saw that they were concerned, then I started to say, this is what's bothering me. And as I started to kind of really find someone that I could share in, I, I want to get here, but I don't know how to do it. Just the words of encouragement or making sure I was mindful in that time of the people I was around in that down part that they were really feeling me. And when I had enough feeling, then I just almost broke them chains and said, forget it. I'm, I, I'm dealing with it, but I'm about to go do something about it. But I knew in those times when I was around people that just kept tearing me down when I was in that, it didn't make it any better. So I, I, I would say a short deal as best you can with those emotions because you're going to deal with them at some point. So I felt, let me just soak in my emotion for the moment, deal with it, and then kind of embrace it and move on and find the people as best you can. And if you don't, if you need a year to lend on, here, I'm on LinkedIn or something, I'll listen. I don't know how, may, how much of it I can listen to everyone, but they can reach out, I'll do it. Mm. Such a beautiful, powerful advice. When we are managing our emotions well, then success is guaranteed because we then can read the room, we can talk uh, in, in the right way and position correctly and rest is, as they say, it's history. In closing, uh, do you mind just sharing quickly where people can find you and connect with you and also explore opportunities to collaborate with you? You have a phenomenal website. You have a great brand. Obviously, you are contributing on so many platforms. And I just want to make sure that everybody watching and listening know where to go to get in touch with you. Well, I would say LinkedIn is where I met you. It's where I saw the work what you were doing to help other people kind of right when the pandemic. So that's how we initially met. I, I think it's a phenomenal platform that when you meet the right people who are doing it, they will take it offline. Oh, excellent. So on LinkedIn under Paul. Yeah. Fantastic. Paul, absolute pleasure to have you on Legacy Leadership. We'll definitely bring you back down the road. We are excited to see what next holds for you. And I cannot wait um, to hear about some new things that you are about to do and make even bigger impact on global scale. Thank you, Isabel, for making the time for us to share here where we talk. Absolutely. As well. and Leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.